Acts chapter 7, when you find your spot, if you're able to, would you stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Acts chapter 7, and we'll stand and we're going to read at the end of the chapter this morning. Acts chapter 7, starting at verse number 51. Acts 7, verse 51. This is the testimony of Stephen right at the end of it. Acts 7, 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost, as your fathers did, so do ye. Which of the fathers have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have now been now the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. And it says in verse 54, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. This morning I'd like to preach a message entitled, I See Jesus. There Stephen is standing there before this council and lifts up his eyes to heaven. And he says, I see the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw Him standing at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's pray. Our Father, I thank You, Lord, for this time we get to be in Your house this morning. Thank you, Lord, for each dear soul that's here today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that we can open up your word and be encouraged, be blessed, be challenged, be strengthened. I pray, Lord, that as we consider the wonderful truths from it this this morning, just ask, Lord, that first of all, you'll fill me with the spirit, Lord, to preach your word. But I pray most of all, Lord, that you'll minister to each heart, minister to my heart, minister to each heart that's here today through your word, through the testimony of Stephen as recorded here. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Please be seated. One day there was a few fishermen who were trying to go across the sea. As they sailed, they came into a great storm. And these men, they they were experienced fishermen. They thought that they were able to make it through. And they, they started to do all they could to make it through this storm. But they weren't succeeding. They started throwing everything overboard, I'm sure. They... They uh, they bailed out the boat. They rowed as hard as they could, trying to make it to the other side. But they were still sinking. But when it seemed that all hope was lost, they looked out across the water and they saw someone walking on the water coming to see them. They saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He had come for them. He had come to rescue them. Isn't it amazing that when we go through trials, there's Jesus When we go through storms, He is there. You go through this book and you see over and over and over again 
People go through difficult times. People, they go through challenging times. But Jesus is always there. When Joseph was sold into Egypt, the Lord was with him. When he was forgotten in prison, the Lord was with him. When David fought Goliath, the Lord was with him. Moses, when he stood before Pharaoh, the Lord was with him. When those three, three children were in the fiery furnace, the Lord was with them. Every storm we go through, the Lord is with us. And here's a man in our text, Stephen, going through it, the greatest storm. He's about to give his life for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He lifts his eyes toward heaven and he sees the Lord. Not sitting on the right hand of the throne of God, but standing, standing there for Stephen. Now, this text is a very familiar story to us. It has a lot of parallels to another story in the Bible. Here was a man who was standing before the council, the, the same council that our Savior had stood before just a short time ago. You realize that these were the same ones that had cried, crucify him, crucify him. And now Stephen is standing in that place. They led him out of the city, just like they led the Savior out of the city. It's more than likely that Stephen was led to Calvary Hill. Did you ever realize that? He's in Jerusalem. They lead him outside of the city to the place of execution. That's Calvary in Jerusalem. That's where they would have led Stephen here in the text. He was going through the greatest trial that we could possibly imagine. But Jesus was with him. You know, Stephen wasn't much different than the people I'm looking at today. You know that Stephen was a man who started off just waiting on tables in his local church. That's how he started off. They were looking for someone to take care of the widows. And they said, Stephen can do it. Stephen's a good guy. Stephen's a guy that's full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost. He had a good testimony. The next thing you know, he's going through this storm. But Jesus was with him. I want to consider this morning the fact that he saw Jesus and what that speaks to us today. Isn't it encouraging that when you go through a storm, you don't go through it alone. But Jesus Christ goes through it with you. Think of how he saw Jesus this morning. He says, first of all, I see Jesus. And he's right where he said he'd be. Do you know where Jesus is today? He's right where he said he'd be. The words that Stephen chooses in the text, these words, he doesn't choose them by accident. He's looking up to heaven. He, verse number 55, he looks steadfastly into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. You see, Stephen's there before that same council that our Lord stood before not too long ago. And you remember that trial, that, that mock trial, when they took our Savior and they demanded of Him, Art thou the Son of God? Are you the Son of the blessed? And what did our Savior say? He said, I am. I am. Those two words. I am. From the Old Testament. I am the great I am. I am King of kings and Lord of lords. I am the eternal Son of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I am. And then what did he say next? He said, I am... And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power 
and coming in the clouds of heaven. Jesus, our Savior, told that mob, that council, that they would see Him on the right hand of the throne of God. And the mob didn't want to hear it. They said, no, no, that's not who you are. They said, we don't believe your testimony. We reject you. And they preferred a a murderer named Barabbas to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. They said, we have no king but Caesar. We won't have this man to rule over us. They led him outside the city. They crucified him there with two thieves. One on the right hand, one on the left. They they watched as he bled out. They watched as he died. They, they watched it all happen. They watched him sealed in that tomb. They had that stone rolled in the door and they said, you stay there, you're not getting out. But three days later, he rose from the dead. And then he ascended up into glory and sat down on the right hand of the throne of God just as he said he would. And there Stephen is standing in front of that mob. He says, that one who you crucified, that one who you rejected, that one who you said, we won't have this man. He's right where he said he'd be. He's in heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I see him. He's alive today. Aren't you glad that Jesus is alive today? Where would we be if He wasn't alive today? Where would we be if our Savior had stayed in the tomb? We'd be of all men most miserable. That's where we'd be. Praise the Lord that He rose from the dead. And Stephen's declaring the resurrection. It's the fact that He rose from the dead. That's what gives us hope that we too will one day live again. It's the hope of eternal life is the resurrection. I wonder today, do you know where Jesus is when you're going through your trials? Do you know where He is? I can tell you where He is. He's right where He said He'd be. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He has all power in heaven and in earth. He's King of kings and Lord of lords. Where is He? Well, He's there preparing a place for you. Preparing a place for you so that when He comes again, He can receive you unto Himself. Where is the Lord today? The Lord is there up in heaven interceding on your behalf. You go to Him in prayer and He intercedes in your behalf. He is He is acting on your favor before the throne of God. Where is He today? I trust that He's in your heart. Christ in you. The hope of glory. When a man puts their faith in Him, he says, I, my Father, will come and make our abode with Him through the person of the Spirit. Where is He today? He's with us. Where two or three are gathered together in My name, there I am in the midst of them, He said. And He's promised to you, lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. He's promised never to leave you nor forsake you. You can take that to the bank. You can count on that. He's right where He said He'd be. Do you see Him? Is that a reality to you? Friend, I don't know what each person's trials are in their life. I know everybody has them. I don't know what yours are. But I know this. Jesus is there. The Lord is going through it with you. He's right where He said He'd be. I see Jesus and He's right where He said He would be. Then number two, Stephen's telling us, I see Jesus and He's just the same as He's always been. He hasn't changed. You know, one thing I appreciate about Pastor Mark is that he hasn't changed since the day I met him 11 years ago. He's still just as funny. I think he's funny. I don't know if you think he's funny. I think he's funny. 
I, uh, I enjoy his stories. I enjoy talking to him. He's still just as, uh, you know, carefree. You know, like, kind of like, that's I think why we get along. It's kind of an East Coast thing, I guess. We don't really care a lot about, you know, things that ups- would upset you. We, uh, we just let them roll off you, I guess. Pastor Mark still does that. Still doesn't, doesn't get too upset, you know. I, uh, I can tease him pretty good and he can take it. I don't know if I tease him. He teases me. Let's be honest. But, um, you know, he hasn't changed. Well, our Savior hasn't changed. He's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. Stephen, I, I love Stephen. I, I think of Stephen in this text. Do you realize Stephen, he more than likely had never personally met the Lord? Now, I don't know if he did or not, but you don't read his name at all in the Gospels. He's not there. And his name is a Greek name, and he's brought up when the Greek Jews needed, the Greek Christians needed a, um, Greek Jewish Christians needed someone to take care of their widows. And Stephen's the guy. More than likely, he was someone that had been visiting Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, got saved, and joined the church and stayed there. He hadn't seen him, but he still recognized him. Isn't that wonderful? You know what the first sight is going to be when you enter heaven's glory? We always talk about when I enter heaven's glory, the angel, I'm going to meet the angel at the gate. The angel is going to take me by the hand and he's going to lead me around. Oh, I don't want to see the angel first. I don't know about you. I don't want to see the angel first. I don't want to see Peter first. I want to see him first. Who's going to be the first to see? The Lord Jesus Christ. Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus. You know, McLaren says that's that's what makes heaven habitable for us. That's what makes heaven home. It's to be where he is and as he is. That's heaven. And Stephen's traveling to heaven. He looks up and he sees Jesus, the author and finisher of his faith, standing there waiting for him. And what a hope we have that at the end of this life there's Jesus, whom having not seen we love. Yet believing, we rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory because one day we'll see Him face to face. And if the clouds were open tonight, this, today, at some point, and you could look up and see heaven, you know what you'd see? You'd see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. You'd see the same One. The same One who was on this earth 2,000 years ago. You'd see the same one who touched the blind eyes and loosed the tongue of the dumb. You'd see the same one who opened the ears of the deaf and made the lame to walk, who raised up the dead. You'd see the same one. The same one who walked on that water in the midst of the storm. The same one who calmed the storm with his words. The same one who had compassion on the multitudes. You'd see the same one who fed them. You'd see Jesus. You'd see the one who created this world with his hands. The one who sustains all life. The one who's the judge of all the earth. Stephen's looking at the council that day and he says, that one, that one that you just saw just not so long ago. I know where he is today. He's in heaven at the right hand of the throne of God. I see the man who just a short time ago died on the cross for my sins, bore the penalty, bore my guilt and my shame. I see Him. And He loves me just the same. Where's Jesus today? He's he's right where He said He'd be. 
And He's still just the same. You know, He's still the healer of broken hearts. He's still the forgiver of all our sins. He's still the one who loves your soul. He's still the bread of life. He's still the water of life. The living water. He's still that friend. That one friend that sticks closer than a brother. He's still the fountain of life. He's still the light in this dark world. He's still the same. He's, he's Jesus Christ. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's still the one that walked to the home of Jairus to raise his daughter from the dead. He's still the one who refused to throw that first stone. He's still the one who called Peter to come out to him on that water. He's still the one who loved us so much he went to Calvary's tree. He hasn't changed. He loves you just the same. He's still the same today. He's up in heaven looking at you. He's there for you as you go through this life, just like He was there for Stephen, just like He was there for all the others who have gone before. I see Jesus and He's just the same. I see Jesus and He's right where He said He'd be. And number three, I see Jesus and He's standing there waiting for me. There Stephen was at the the point of death. He's about to be led away to be stoned. And he looks up and he sees Jesus standing for him. Oh, I'm so glad that he's standing, waiting for us, looking at us. Stephen looked up and he saw him standing. This is interesting to me because everywhere in the Bible where you see Jesus in heaven, he's seated, right? He he finished the work. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose again. He has ascended up into heaven and he sat down. At the right hand of the throne of God. That's what he's doing. That's where he is. Except now Stephen, he looks and he sees him standing. What does that mean? How does that speak to us? Well, when someone's sitting down, it it means that they're resting, right? You sit down to rest. You sit down because the work is done. You're finished the job. But Jesus is showing active involvement in Stephen's life. You recognize that? He didn't just leave him in this world to, to go fend for himself. You know how it is, uh, the, this afternoon, me and, uh, the Alcocks are going to dinner with the, with the old timers. And, um, <laughs> the kids, the other kids, the other ones, you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be fending for themselves. Good luck with that. <laughs> I can't fend for myself very well. I'm very blessed to have a wife, and when my wife goes away, I go to my mother's, okay? I I can't can't fend for myself too well. Well, our Savior didn't leave us here to fend for ourselves, did He? He sent the Spirit, but He's actively involved. He encourages us in Hebrews 4 to come boldly onto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find peace Grace to help in the time of need. He's the ever faithful Christ. He'll be there for you in your time of need. He's not, people picture the Lord as up in heaven, not really interested in what goes on down here, you know? Not really interested in the events of our days. Not really caring about what goes on. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says He cares. 
The Bible says that He's interested in our lives. And Stephen, he looks up into heaven at his most pressing hour. He finds the grace that he needed for the time of need. He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. He found His mercy in that hour. Aren't you glad that right when you need Him most, Jesus is always there? He's there all the time. But when you need Him most, oh, that's when it's extra sweet. Think of Jacob and he's returning back to the promised land and he wants to see that brother of his. Last time, Jacob wasn't too nice to that brother. He had taken his birthright, taken his blessing, taken everything that Esau could have valued. And yet, Jacob, that scoundrel that took it, sends, sends messengers to Esau, tell him that I'm on my way. Esau sends back I'm coming to meet you with 400 men. I didn't like that. (laughs) Why would my brother need 400 men to see me? I I don't get it. Jacob is scared to death. He divides his family into two camps. He separates everyone and sends these gifts all in advance. And is so scared of seeing his brother Esau. But that night, who does he see? He sees the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ wrestles with him to the breaking of the day. And he doesn't let him go until he gets that blessing. The Savior was there right when he needed him. He was there for Daniel in the lion's den right when he needed him. He was there for those Hebrew children. They're Nebuchadnezzar's looking into the fire. And instead of seeing the three, he sees four. The fourth, like unto the Son of God, it was Jesus. And think of how this affected Stephen here as he faced death. First of all, this led him to face death with confidence. Stephen is staring off. He he knows what's about to happen. He's seen it before. He knows what happened to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. The same mob is acting the same way. It's going to be the same result. Stephen knows that. And that's a reality we all must face. It's been appointed unto man once to die. We all must die until Jesus comes first, which is our hope. We're not looking for the undertaker. We're looking for the uppertaker. But until that day comes, death comes. But when that day comes, you don't need to fear. You don't need to worry. You can face it with confidence knowing that Jesus is with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Now, if there was ever a death that would have put fear into you, I think a stoning would be the one. Knowing what's going to happen before you get there. I don't think any of us could picture how dreadful this scene was. And we think of a stoning as, you know, well, they threw rocks at him. It's a little more than that. I'm told that they would have led him to a a high place where Uh, It was equal to the height of two men. And first they would have cast him over that. Then they would have taken a stone that was so heavy that it would have taken two men to be able to carry it. And they would have thrown that stone upon Stephen. And then if he had have survived that, that's when they would have picked up their own individual stones and started throwing them at him. It was a gory scene, a bloody scene, a terrible scene. But you don't see Stephen cowering away. You don't see Stephen begging for mercy. 
Instead, you see him praying. I, I don't understand the theology of the prayer here, Pastor Mark. He says, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. The only time I can think of in the Bible where the prayer is directed to the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I always get after my wife when she teaches the kids to pray and they're praying for dinner and they say, thank you, Jesus, for the food. I say, you pray to the Father through Jesus' name. <laughs> Except, how can I explain Stephen? <laughs> my wife has a point. <laughs> but he prays to the Lord Jesus Christ. He prays to the one that he's just seen standing at the Father's right hand. He prays to the one whom he knows is right there, walking him through that valley of the shadow of death. He had confidence. He wasn't cowering away. He had confidence that the Lord was taking him home. I love the text. You notice the text doesn't say that Stephen died. You notice that? This text never say, and then he died. No, then he, he fell asleep. See, we don't, we don't die. We don't perish. When a believer passes away, it's the spirit departing for the body to be with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. And Stephen realized that he wasn't, he wasn't dying that day. He was just taking the trip home. Going home to be with Jesus. And he died with confidence. But then also, Stephen here, he died with grace. He died with grace. Now, this this scene isn't graceful, is it? There's nothing pretty about this. Nothing beautiful about it at all. Stephen is being stoned for his faith. Stoned in, in, in his for his testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there he is there, casting... They threw him off the, 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 the cliff. They... They threw the stone on him, and somehow he's still living. And at that time, he kneels down and prays one more time. He cried with a loud voice. What does he pray? Lord, avenge me. No. Lord, make sure that they never forget what they do, and they, they pay for it. No. He says, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Just like our Savior on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen said, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he said this, he fell asleep. And you can face trials with grace when you face them through the power of the Spirit of God. This testimony here of Stephen, this isn't the testimony of someone who could do this in his own strength. You realize that, don't you? That's not natural. That's not what people do when they face trials. This isn't our natural reaction. But this book is called The Acts of the Apostle. Really, it's the continuing acts of the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's acting through Stephen, living through Stephen. And he gives him the grace to die. When Joseph Parker, a great London preacher in the past century was he was debating one day on the town green and with enemies of Christianity. And there was an infidel who shouted at him, what did Christ do for Stephen when he died? What did he do for Stephen? Well, Parker said the answer was given to him like an inspiration from heaven. And he said he gave him grace to pray for those who stoned him. He gave him grace to pray. 
And I want you to note one man specifically who was affected by that prayer. The Bible tells us in verse 58 that they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet whose name was Saul. Who's Saul? Saul is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. I believe this is the answer to Stephen's prayer. Paul, Saul, the Apostle Paul was, the Bible says in chapter 8, verse 1, he was consenting unto his death. He was happy about it. He was in agreement with it. He thought this was the right thing to do. He thought this was a good thing that Stephen was dying. He was part of that angry mob. He was helping them, holding their coats as they threw the stones. But it was at that time that Stephen prayed for him. Paul went after this and he he started going from house to house, taking Christians and throwing them into prison. He, He wrecked havoc, the Bible says, of the church. And yet, I don't think he ever forgot Stephen's prayer. Martin Luther and many others say that that prayer offered by Stephen for those who stoned him, which Paul must have heard as he held the clothing of those who did the stoning, was used of God for the conversion of the apostle. Think of that. Think of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have 13 books in the Bible. From Romans through to Hebrews, if you count Hebrews as Paul's. 13 books that were written by the apostle Paul. Written by a man who took part in this stoning. Written by a man who was involved in it. A man that was consenting to it. Yet God took that man, washed him, made him a sinner saved by grace, made him a saint, and used him for His glory. The greatest missionary the church has ever seen. All because Stephen prayed when he was going through the fiery furnace. And friend, that's how it always is. When Christians go through tough times, we, we don't like them, do we? I, I don't like them. Nobody likes to go through the trials. Nobody likes to, to suffer or endure affliction. Nobody likes the hard times. But God uses them, doesn't He? God uses them. He used it in Stephen's life for spreading the Word. Spreading the Word from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria to the outermost parts of the world. Think of those five missionaries in Ecuador. Jim Elliott, Nate Saint, and those five missionaries gave their life while trying to reach those Aka Indians. But you know, if you went there today, you'd find a church. Many of them got saved after their martyrdom. And so it is with trials. Persecution is the seed of the church. Stephen looked up into heaven and he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of God. He saw Him. He's just where He said He'd be. He's just the same. And He's standing there waiting for Him. And so Stephen finished the race. Finished it with confidence. Finished it with grace. And when Stephen got through those pearly gates, if there was anyone still sitting in heaven, I believe they stood up. I think they probably took their hands and they banged them together like that. I think they gave him a standing ovation. 
think they would have paraded him through the streets of that city. Paraded him all around and celebrating Stephen, the hero that had come home. Why do you say that? Well, I think if Jesus is standing for him, I can't imagine anyone else sitting. Can you? They stood up for him. And I believe that when Stephen stands before the judgment seat of Christ, he's going to receive that victor's crown. You know, in the New Testament, there's two words for crown. There's the word diadem, which is the word we get diadem from, the royal crown. Then there's another word. You know what that word is? It's Stephen. Stephanos. It's the word for the victor's crown. I don't know how his mother knew. Somehow she knew that that boy, that boy, he's going to one day receive that crown of life. Revelation 2.10 says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. The Stephanos, the victor's crown. Stephen had earned that crown. He won that crown because he finished the fight. Finished the course. Won the fight. He was faithful unto death. And how did he do it? He did it because he was looking onto Jesus. The author and finisher of our faith. Tonight we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 to 4. Looking onto Jesus. That's how Stephen finished the race. You say, Pastor Luke, you don't know my trials though. You don't know what I'm struggling with. You don't know what my life is like. You're right, I don't. But you know what I do know? I do know that Jesus is there. And I know that you can look to Him. You can go boldly, the Bible says, to that throne of grace and find mercy and the grace to help in the time of need. So don't give up. Just look up. Look to Jesus and see Him there at the Father's right hand.